Dear Lila, as you probably guessed, I left. I thought I wanted to stick around and do right by you, but you and I both know this was a mistake from the start. I'm not in love with you. I mean, you're hot as hell and the sex was great and all, but I ain't gonna lie. My heart was never gonna be yours. In the words of Alan Jackson, I'll be the SOB if that's what you need for me so you don't love me anymore. But I'm a changed man. Bonnie's my girl. She will always be the love of my life. No paper, no fake ring, nothing is going to change that. I love her, and I know deep down she still loves me. She's madder than a wet hen right now and is trying to make me jealous. I deserve it. I'm going to spend the rest of my life making it up to her, though, starting right now. Those days I'd go for walks, I'd go by her place. Our place. It'll always be our place. She wouldn't know it, but I'd wait and watch, hoping to see her because I miss her so much. I saw her a couple times, but she didn't see me. She smiled, looked happy, but it wasn't in her eyes. I know it wasn't. So one time, I was there, and there was a package left out. The UPS guy didn't even ring the doorbell or nothing, so I took it. They were always there, and I wanted something, anything to know what's going on in her life now. Some kind of clue to win her back. The box had a San Diego address, and inside was a vibrator. I left it in your top drawer. You'll need it now that I'm gone. It's not Bonnie's thing anyway. She didn't like you. I have to save her. Finding that box with that thing made me realize I've been going about this all wrong. The letters and whatever. They ain't gonna do the trick. I need to do something big. I need to show her I mean it this time. I'm going to go claim what's mine once and for all. I'll call you sometime once I get back and settled with her again. I'll get my stuff and maybe we can consummate one last time or something. But then after that, you gotta stay away. At least for a while. We'll see about later. But she's always gonna be my number one. Goodbye, Wade. Dispatches of Disassociation. A collection of correspondences in a time of quarantine. Living in the time of quarantine was defined by the adjustments that everyone had to make in such a hurry. Travel was almost completely eliminated. Public transportation was either shut down or left running with nearly empty buses and trains. Businesses had no sense of what the future would hold and whether any of them could survive. Prisons, military vessels, and Anywhere, really, that still had large numbers of people living closely together overflowed with virus cases. Lawmakers squabbled over who was to blame and what should be done. Confusion and uncertainty very well defined daily life, with frustration quickly becoming the sentiment for many more. Perhaps most of all, though, folks all over began to feel the loneliness, the longing for the company of others. Webcams and phone calls only helped so much. Whether they knew it or not, people yearned for more intimate circumstances. We meet up once again with Bonnie, who has heard neither hide nor hair from Wade since the last note but that hasn't seemed to alleviate her fears that this obsessed former lover is just lying in wait for her to step outside. 
needless to say, Bonnie's already small world just got that much smaller. Her loneliness is starting to be palpable through her words. Would she truly put herself at risk to catch the virus simply for a reunion with Vance? Or even just to ensure she is far, far away from Wade? If and when the shit hits the proverbial fan. April 9th, 2020 Dear Vance, Not only did your last letter provide some very sorely needed fodder for my imagination, it also prompted me to start looking into flights out there. I was ready to leave the moment I finished it. Also, because I am starting to get nervous. I was dealing with some rather insistent notes left behind by Wade. I don't think he'd do anything to hurt me or worse, but some of the notes were getting a little persistent. He remarked how often I get packages, how I don't leave the house often enough. It's like he's out there watching me. I haven't so much as opened my shades in the past few days. My trips outside have ended for the time being, that's for sure. I don't want to take a chance that he's just out there waiting to pounce on me. It's pretty unlike him, but I sent a pretty straightforward, somewhat unkind letter and said in no uncertain terms that it was over and that I had moved on. I only hope that's the end of it. Today has been the first day I haven't gotten anything. Also, I just realized it's been a month since I sent my first letter. Wait. April 9th. He left March 3rd, so 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Shit. Okay. Nausea. A little. Aversion to certain foods. Kind of, not really. Darkening of the nipples. Um... I don't know, maybe? Mood swings, yes. Fatigue, yes. Fuck. Okay, no. No, you know what? You know what? This this is stress. This is stress. It's happened before. Don't panic. I'll get a test, and it'll be negative, and I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Muffin, we're fine. Anyway, it seems like it's been so much longer. I think I'm just getting antsy. Like I said, I have a shower head, but you would be so much better. I'll behave, though. I wonder if your co-worker maybe got sick. It's getting pretty bad out here. Our county is one of the worst in Texas. I can only imagine it's worse out in San Diego. I worry about you a lot, I'm not going to lie. You talk about being down a lot, and I hope... If it gets to be too overwhelming, you do talk to a doctor or something. There's no shame in it. Doesn't make you less of a man or scare me off or anything like that. I just don't want you to suffer if you don't have to. I'm not the type to pray, but I do try and at least send some happy thoughts in your direction as I lay down to sleep at night. Maybe some not-so-nice ones in misogynistic Mach's direction as you so aptly describe him. Maybe a little COVID will be the come-to-Jesus meeting he needs to get his attitude to change. Oh, my mother called today. 
There are some things you should know about my mother. My mother has been married four times. She has had but one child, me, that she didn't try to raise until I went through puberty, and only so she could groom me and dress me to introduce me into Dallas society. To say she is disappointed in me and my life choices is a complete understatement. I made the mistake of mentioning you when her berating about how I handled the Wade situation got to be too much. It's not a mistake because I'm ashamed of you, but it is a mistake because I spent the next hour and a half answering questions I had no answer to. Does he have money? Who are his people? Typical middle-aged southern woman questions. I had to remind her that this had all just started and I don't know a lot of the answers. Oh, and she gave me some advice that I swear had to come out of some 1960s dating etiquette book, and I think you might get a kick out of it. Bonnie, you need to find out everything you can about him, but don't ask him too many questions. Men hate that. But he sounds to at least be somewhat of an improvement from Dave or Wayne or whatever. She knows his name. She just despises him. You need to ask him what perfume he likes. It's always better to get a man's advice on perfume. Let him lead the conversations. Men don't like ladies who are too pushy. The art of the conversation is a dance, and the man always leads. Stroke his ego, compliment him in manly ways, but don't be too forward. No one likes a slut. After an hour of this, I felt like throwing up, to be perfectly honest, so I went and rang my doorbell and pretended my food delivery had arrived. With her limited time left, she told me I should learn to cook more, that she doesn't want me to get fat ankles, but if I did, it wouldn't be from her side, it would be from my father's mother, and only after I promised that it was my last time, she let me go. So there you have it, my darling mother. She did bring up something that had been on my mind as well. With what's going on, how would I know if something happened to you? How would I know if you got sick or hurt? I'd think you'd ghosted me and that would be it. I don't even know how to try to remedy that. You mentioned in the article of the guy getting in an accident and his next of kin not being notified for a week. And I'm not your next of kin. But I don't know, I'm getting morbid. This world is just becoming scarier every day. It's even more scary when you start falling for someone... And there's so much that can go right and so much that can go wrong. Then you throw this whole weird virus into it and there's so much more that can go wrong. <sighs> Sometimes the right stuff is scarier than the wrong, though. So much has gone wrong for me lately, but you have been the one right thing. And it terrifies me to pin this much hope on one person when all we have are words. Written words. I need to hear you say my name. Feel your breath on my skin. I'm telling you, Vance, I am so close to saying screw it and hopping on a plane. If you told me to, I would. Please tell me to. Or come back here. I am so tired of being alone. Yours, Bonnie. P.S. Sorry, but I may be pregnant with your child. I'm guessing I should leave that part out, huh, Muffin? Hmm. Although we may yearn for some comfort and compassion, 
Sometimes even family can fall short in providing that relief. Bonnie seems to have been much warmer than her motherly influence. As Vance returns the letter, we find that the cracks in his armor are beginning to grow, and he gives Bonnie a little bit more of what she has been requesting since they met that fateful night in March. Information into his past. Bonnie, I'll be honest. I never imagined my parents' penchant for family history, however real or make-believe it may be, would actually serve a purpose for me in today's world. Now, while I am ashamed of most of the family history that my mother spoke about at every family gathering, it may serve to keep your mother at arm's length until such time as I can present myself to her properly. My full name is Lucas Vance Beauregard McCoy. My father's family comes from Louisiana and are not related to the McCoys of Hatfield and McCoy feud fame. Daddy's great-great-grandfather served in the Confederate Army and eventually settled in South Carolina. Mother is a direct descendant of Gustave Touton Beauregard. He was a West Point-trained officer who led the Confederate Army in the War of Northern Aggression. My mother was very proud to point out that I was born on May 28th, which is the same day that her great-great-granddaddy, who led the bombardment of Fort Sumter, was born. What she'd never divulged is that I was born by C-section, and the doctor gave her three dates that he was available to oversee the affair. My great-grandfather, Lucius, consolidated a number of tobacco farms and at one point was responsible for half of the products sold out of South Carolina, or so Daddy claimed. I haven't found any evidence to support this claim, though there is a fair amount of evidence clearly linking my progenitors to moonshining, money laundering, and later drug running. You should probably keep that bit to yourself. Now, Mama was raised to attend cotillions and balls and to never exert herself when someone else was available to do everything for her. I'm fairly certain the heaviest thing she's ever lifted was her afternoon pitcher of mint juleps. Or whatever concoction the bartender at the country club was offering that day. Sadly, both my mother and father perished in an automobile accident more than 20 years ago. Since then... I have done my best to distance myself, both physically and emotionally, from all that remains of the Beauregards and McCoys in Charleston. I'd rather not get into the details of my portfolio. That seems a bit uncouth at this point. So let's just say I work because I enjoy what I do, and it keeps my hands, and more importantly, my mind, busy. I hope that it puts you at ease to know that I have arranged a failsafe of sorts with my advisor. I truly have no next of kin, so the board assigned a lawyer to serve as an advisor. Well, the board wanted my advisor to be a driver, valet, and a butler, but I put a stop to that. I don't need anyone looking over my shoulder night and day. Sorry, I'm a bit distracted. The bottom line is, should anything happen to me, Jeremiah has strict instructions to notify you immediately. Now... I am at my wit end being cooped up in this office. Office isn't the right word, really, but it's the easiest way to talk about it. Either way, there are a number of people on the production floor, 
this is where people build new equipment or repair old equipment. It's probably 250, 300 feet long or so. As you walk along, each technician has their radio playing and, and the music is as varied as the people. Unless they are listening to talk radio or podcasts. If it's not music they are listening to, you can bet they are tuned in to the latest right-wing nonsense. Ben Shapiro whining about his facts. Dennis Prager, Jordan Peterson talking about bullshit that has no business being publicized. Or God forbid, Alex fucking Jones. And I feel safe in making the assumption that you wouldn't be a fan of someone such as Alex Jones, even if he is a neighbor of yours. <laughs> now, I took this job with the understanding that I would travel most of the time. And granted, no one could foresee a pandemic essentially halting operations. Except in the most exigent of cases, anyway. My coworker had a trip last week, and you wouldn't believe the, the nonsense. See, our typical trips involve a day of travel to the site, three days of work, and then two days for the return trip, unless we end up going somewhere different. This poor bastard will have to quarantine for 14 days once he arrives in country. Then he's going to work for three days, fly back, and have to quarantine for 14 more days upon his return. All told, it will be something like 33 or 34 days to work for 24 clock hours. It's madness. But it's what we must do. Now, the few obligations keeping me here in San Diego will be resolved in a matter of months, if not sooner. As soon as that is done, and assuming it is safe to do so, I plan to transfer to the San Antonio branch. I am cautiously optimistic that Wade has come to his senses and will finally leave you alone. Should you hear anything more from that scalawag, I may be forced to advance my timetable, though it would not be comfortable to do so. I know that loneliness is hard, Bonnie, but please, for the sake of your health, play the long game and hold fast. Yours across time and space, Vance. Interesting. We learn even more about this man of mystery, and perhaps even some insight into the man behind the letters. But Vance, much like Bonnie, appears to be at his wit's end with the lockdown. That yearning for real, in-person connection might be too much to withstand much longer. Who will be the first to break? What will Bonnie do with this newfound information? And what exactly is Wade's next move? There's so much more to uncover and reveal. Find out what happens on the next episode of Dispatches of Disassociation. No, I'm not going to Google him. That's psycho. I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to stalk him online.
No, I'm not giving you his name either so you can do it. No. No. I gotta go. I'll talk to you later. 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 Okay, bye, mother. Of course I'm gonna Google him. I'm not stupid. And search. What? Did I spell it wrong? No. What the fuck? Dispatches of Disassociation can be found on Twitter at DDisassociation. Follow along to get the latest updates from the show and notifications when a new episode drops. Make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a generous rating and review. Thank you for your listening. Until next time.